from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. We expect a really, really strong retail sales number. And then um, we talked about earnings season. Uh, we think we're, we're poised for a really strong earnings season overall. We think the banks get us off to a good start here. The environment for banks is, uh, is pretty good right now, and it's certainly a lot better than it was just a few months ago. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Research Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich back after a week at Disney down in Florida. Jeff, it seemed like things were fairly calm last week. We made some new highs and not a lot happened, so I didn't miss a lot. Did, did I pick a good week to go away? Yeah, really good week. I mean, not only were stocks higher, uh, it wasn't really a, a huge news week, right? This, it was just a case where the path of least resistance is higher. Not a whole lot of new news, new catalysts, but we'll take it. No, a- absolutely. I, I joke when I've left before, it's like any of us when we take vacation, you just know the market's going to go crazy. And usually crazy means downside volatility. Uh, this particular case, I picked a good week to go. But Jeff, this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast is a lot to discuss. It is earnings season. So we're going to take a look at the upcoming first quarter earnings season, which is kicking off really as we speak. We're also going to take a look at the idea, is are things too good? Um, and we've had some historic uh, manufacturing and services data. I mean, things are things are good, right? But you know, maybe there's a warning sign there. Then, lastly, we're just going to kind of take a roundabout way of saying this bull market is still alive and well. Maybe you could have a pullback, a consolidation. We're going to talk about some stats and figures that do suggest. Um, again, this bull market in equities is alive and well. So, Jeff, I want to start things off a little differently this week because I wasn't here last week. And by the way, thank you to. Um, you and Barry, you guys did a great job. I listened to it. I love the uh, the charts you used of me at Disney, scared on it, which isn't too, uh, I'll, t- I'll give my review of Disney here maybe halfway through this podcast, but scared on some rides. And it is funny, the older you get, at least with me, I mean, I, I'll ride the rides and I'm not scared of the rides, but it's just like, I don't know, sometimes I get a little dizzier than I used to. I think I'm just getting, getting a little bit older, but the kids enjoyed it. But I'll give my full review later. But Jeff, I do want to give a little story here. So we were driving on 95, which is the highway, I-95, um, takes you down to Florida from South Carolina. And we had to get off a couple different times. You know, I think everyone else was traveling for spring break. And we actually almost bought a dog. So we took off the highway, took this crazy roundabout way. And this guy had this sign out front and it said, talking dog, $10. My kids and I looked at each other. We're like, well, we got to get checked this out. Knock on the door. said, sir, I'm here to talk about the, uh, look at the dog, the talking dog. He goes, oh, he's out back. Go ahead and take a look. So my kids and I walked back there, wife too. And sure enough, this dog, I said, hey boy, hey boy. He looked up at me and I'm, I'm not kidding. The dog goes, how you doing? And we're just floored. We couldn't believe it. The dog talked and we're just floored. My kids are so excited. They want to buy him immediately for $10. And, I, and he goes, so um, you want to hear about my story? And this is the dog saying that. We're just like, I'll listen to anything a talking dog has to say. Apparently his dog was born. He started to talk. The CIA got involved. They came and swiped him away, he said. And he did a lot of covert operations for the CIA. You know, everyone loves a dog, right? So he'd listen to the terrorists and the bad guys talk and then he'd report back what they had to say. Said he did that for a few years. And he said after he did that for a few years, he moved on and started to work in um, airports, right? And kind of was a security dog there, listening in on people again, doing the same thing. Everyone scratches a dog at the airport, um, you know, kind of one of those dogs. And, and they'd listen in and he he won some awards for, for you know, thwarting some terrorists. And eventually he got tired of that. And they said they, he got to work at the White House. So he did this, something similar at the White House. 
He was a dog. He walked around. He listened. He did. He did his job, and he just had an amazing story and an amazing life. And the dog was just so elegant, and and in the way he talked, and and I think he should have a podcast, to be honest. So then, my kids and I, we said so we want the dog. So we walk back up front, knock on the door. The old guy answers the door, and I go, "Sir, we want your dog. My car's full of junk. We're coming back from Disney. You know, there's literally no room, but we're going to make room for this talking dog." And he goes, "Sir, we, we want your dog, but I got to ask you." why are you selling him for only $10? The old guy looks at me and goes, son, I'm selling him for $10 because that dog is full of, you know what? He's never even left his backyard. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that over the weekend. I thought it was funny. I don't know. We don't always start this podcast with jokes. Jeff, you heard that one. I guess it's a joke that's been around. You ever heard that one by chance or did I get you for the first time? Uh, You got me for the first time. I have never heard that one, but I got to say I was, riveted by every every detail in that story there you go yeah so i mean we like to say we keep this podcast at 22 23 minutes i think i just used half of it on my joke but hey you use use the joke out there um everybody so let's uh, jeff let's get into it so you know we did lose some people while i was gone a uh, dmx passed away prince uh prince philip passed away so kind of a rough uh, rough week from that point of view but again you know last week jeff the thing i want to ask you about stocks were going higher the economic data was good the thing that got me is, again, I was looking at my phone from Disney from the rides was the 10 year yield started to go a little bit lower. And even though the economic data was really, really good and technology seemed to like that, you want to kind of fill us, fill me in on why you think the 10 year yield started going down in the face of good news and why tech liked that. Yeah. So, um, you know, growth stocks have been hurt recently by rising rates, right? Because more of the profits from growth stocks come far in the future. Right. I mean, a lot of them are very profitable today, but the 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 cash flows stream, the earnings stream that you use to value stocks, it's more sort of front end loaded for value stocks. So the fact that rates went down last week was good for uh, for growth stocks. But I think probably more important uh, for the growth value question is the start of earnings season this week. And I know we're going to spend some time yep. on that uh, in the podcast, Let, at least the the little time we have left after your joke. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that the um, optimism about earnings season helped tech, the best performer last week, and helped, grow, you know, of course, tech is the biggest growth sector, helped growth outperform value strongly. And over the last um, few weeks, we've seen this resurgence in growth relative to value. So we, we've been saying it was going to be a pitch battle. It looks like it is. Oh, absolutely. So we'll get into uh, the earnings season soon. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of the crown mentioned that many times. And obviously with the Oprah interview that we had about a month or so ago, and now with uh, Prince Philip, unfortunately passing away at the age of 99, um, that final season of the crown is going to have some more interesting things to talk about. Cause I did see Prince Harry is coming to the funeral, but his wife is not coming to the funeral. Not surprising. Um, but the drama with the royal family continues. So, Jeff, let's just kind of get into it then. Like you said, earnings season is here. And if you're following along on the YouTube channel, we appreciate it. We've been hitting some record number of listens, um, uh, I guess, views, I should say, on the YouTube channel, along with listens on the podcast. So thank you for doing that. And if you do like our podcast, you want to help us out, please give us a positive review, a like, a follow. Those things do go a long way. So thank you to everyone um, for helping there. But Jeff, it is earnings season. I'll set the table and then hand it over to you because you are the earnings guru here at LPL Research. 
The last two earnings seasons have come in way better than expected. I think last quarter we beat by like 13%. The quarter before there was around that area. We're looking for earnings up about 25% year over year in the first quarter. Second quarter could go as high as, who knows, 40, 50%. You know, I mean, close enough for government work. It's going to be historic. Jeff, why do you think earnings um, will likely beat once again? They usually beat. They beat to the upside. Everyone expects good earnings. Everyone's expecting good earnings. Why do you think earnings should even come in a little bit higher than 25% when all is said and done? Yeah, a few reasons, Ryan, but I, I think you start with the economy, right? You yep. know, not only are we seeing better economic growth, it, it appears in Q1 than we saw in Q4, but it's being revised higher, right? Expectations are rising. And uh, frankly, the consensus forecast for GDP growth in the first quarter are probably too low. We could end up seeing something north of 5%. With that as a strong manufacturing economy based on the purchasing managers index. It was a 37-year high for the ISM manufacturing index, the manufacturing PMI. That historically correlates well with earnings. So that's right. another sign that we're going to get good numbers. And then lastly, we've heard good things from companies this quarter, right? And I think we have a slide on that. Estimates have risen over the last few months more than they have in the roughly 20 years FactSet's been tracking earnings data. So we're going into a quarter where estimates are rising as economic growth expectations rise. And we know why it's vaccine distribution, it's you know the massive stimulus uh, and the reopening of the economy, right? But that's really impressive because um, it even beat the Q1 2018 increase in earnings estimates, which was due to the tax cuts, uh, corporate tax cuts that boosted earnings artificially. This, this one's pure, it's really impressive. No, it absolutely is. I mean, just the last couple of earnings seasons, like we said, have been impressive on their own. And this first quarter looks like it's going to be uh, almost record breaking again. And then the second quarter is going to be even better. Jeff, you know, breaking it down, though, a little bit more, or as we like to say on our podcast, peeling back the onion. Um, you know, technology is obviously such an important factor. Like you said, uh, by the way, technology, um, if you look at like XLK, that's the technology ETF. Not a recommendation for that ETF, but more of just a fact here. The last three weeks in a row, that ETF has been up at least 2%. The only time in history, Jeff, it's ever done that, or at least recent history, was coming off the 2009 lows where it had four consecutive two-week, I'm sorry, 2% 2 gains or more. So it's truly an amazing run that we've seen in technology. But Jeff, let's talk about technology because it's such a big group. It's had a good run um, or a better run the last couple of weeks. How are earnings looking uh, on that very influential group as we uh, coast in the first quarter earnings reporting season here? Yeah, really strong. Um, when you're looking at sectors this quarter, though, you got to look at the comparisons, right? I mean, we know the yep. economy shut down at the end of the first quarter of 2020. So, you know, what was hit hardest? Leisure, hospitality, uh, hotels, airlines, restaurants, right? And a lot of that is in the consumer discretionary sector. I've also been really, we've talked about this, pleasantly surprised at how strong retail sales have been, right? The yeah. consumer, especially in e-commerce, consumer spending had rebounded remarkably well uh, coming out of the lockdowns last year. And so, consumer discretionary is going to be the star of the show. Potentially that sector could double earnings in Q1 of 2021 relative to, to the year ago quarter. So that's, that's really, I think a big story. Financials is going to be uh, really strong too. And then, you know, technology, probably one of the top three or four sectors as well. The, like, like I said, 
the fundamentals in technology are still really, really strong. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a little too early to declare the, um, you know, that sort of stay at home, work from home story is over. No, absolutely. I think it was four weeks ago, right about now, you and I on the podcast, we were talking at the time about the one of the fastest 10% corrections ever for the NASDAQ. I forget the exact time frame, but I think about two weeks or so to go from an all-time high to down 10% or more. And we noted then that, you know, historically, you tend to see outperformance three, six, 12 months later after those sharp, violent corrections in NASDAQ. And at the time, we were talking about the NASDAQ being, you know, fairly tech heavy. And I know on this very podcast about a month or so ago, you know, I asked you straight up, I said, is, is the is the growth value trade is, um how do I want to word this? Is the growth trade over, right? Is, is it all done? And you said, no, you said, you know, there could be some opportunities for growth. And clearly the last couple of weeks that's happened. I mean, Jeff, where do you stand right now on growth value now that we've had the bounce in? growth and you could argue an oversold bouncing growth how do you still think we should be positioning portfolios looking at growth and value right now yeah we see reasons to like both so yep. you know maybe in the very short term um you'll see value do a bit better because we're potentially in the sweet spot of the reopening right interest rates moving higher commodity prices moving higher that tend you know and growth expectations rising, that tends to be uh, better for value. But, you know, at some point, all this is going to be priced in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, markets, as you alluded to earlier, are going to, you know, need some consolidation, take a breather, maybe go sideways. Um, that could be a better environment for growth. So we're still pretty balanced in the portfolios we manage here at LPL Research, but in the near term, might give value just a little bit of an edge. Uh, great points. And that's actually one of the things we're going to go to now is just the idea of things are really good and how much is uh, truly priced in. I will say, though, Jeff, on our way down to Florida uh, last week, we stopped on Jekyll Island in Georgia. And I think I mentioned this before on this podcast a few years ago, because I like the idea of Jekyll Island. It's actually, you know, first off, Jeff, do you know why Jekyll Island is kind of famous? Do you, you have any clue? No idea. Besides the fact it's where I stayed last week, it is where the Fed was founded, right? A bunch of the top bankers and very powerful people. And I think it was December of 1910 on Jekyll Island, Georgia, they started to talk about the idea of the Fed then. Now, the Fed didn't become a real thing until 1913. But Jekyll Island, Georgia is with the founding of kind of the Fed and, and the um, how it was all laid out. And what was interesting about it when we stopped there and walked around, I did not see a single helicopter spinning out money on the entire island. I thought for sure, you know, if I talk about the Fed spitting money on a helicopter, I thought for sure I'd see that. Unfortunately, I had to pay for my hotel room. There was no money being spit out. But anybody, if you're ever on you know that side of the the coast, you want a, a neat little island to check out, and it's a little famous for the world that we live in. Jekyll Island's really neat. So, Jeff, um, if you're watching along the YouTube channel, you see there's a funny chart picture of me that Gage helped put together, um, I'm sure, along with your assistants. Um, Ryan is back from Disney. So here's my very quick um, you know, summary of Disney. We had an awesome time, went down to Orlando there, very crowded. Uh, the park was 35% capacity. So you walk around and it was great. It wasn't really crowded, but then you get to the rides and the rides are still, you know, an hour, 80 minutes, 85 minute uh, waits. They didn't have the fast pass going on because again, I guess the 35% capacity, I didn't think they needed it. So we didn't ride the, um, 
oh, what was it? The Avatar ride. It was like a two hour wait. We rode just about every other ride, did every single park and really had a um, had a great time all in all. And let's just say, so today's Monday as we record this, kids had to go back to school. Honestly, I had to go back to work. None of us were very happy to wake up and get back, get back to it. Now, the other major takeaway that I learned at Disney is this. A year into a pandemic, most people still don't know how to wear a mask, apparently. The number of noses that I saw on, a, on the mask at Disney are amazing. And this gets a little gross, but I'm just going to report it as I saw it. People go to the bathroom and still don't wash their hands all that often. It, it's amazing to me. I was kind of a germaphobe before it was cool. I never touch doorknobs. I'm always trying to use everything I can before I touch a doorknob. Um, so, you know, nonetheless, it was still a little surprising to me that the people don't wash their hands if using the bathroom or wear a mask incorrectly. But all in all, it was an awesome time. And I think it showed, um, you know, that, that the economy is definitely opening up. <laughs> you talk about it. I'm a real world example of that uh, going down there. We had a, had a blast. So thank you um, to Disney. It was, a, it was a great time. So, Jeff, moving forward now, uh, we have, we'll talk about those PMIs that we had last week. Like you just said, 37-year high in the manufacturing, all-time high in the P per, um, services PMI data. So the bottom line, I think, and I want to ask you, Jeff, this in one second here, Things are really good. The question that's swirling around in my head, or are they too good? Because let's not forget a year ago, it looked terrible. Everything looked bad, yet that was one of the best buying opportunities, honestly, of our lifetime over the next 12 months. Are things too good now, Jeff? You want to build on that? I, I think I have the title of the next weekly market commentary, peak optimism, question yeah. mark, right? That, that's right. the question. This, Of course, this week, it's an earnings season preview. Uh, you know, this is directional, right? These PMIs, it's, it's, are you going to spend more or are you going to spend less, right? So it doesn't reflect how much you're spending, just the direction where it's, where it's going. But for earnings, that's what really matters, right? Because if companies see a better environment at the end of the quarter than they thought they would see at the beginning of the quarter, right? That's when you get upside surprises. So we came into this quarter thinking, you know, 60 on the PMI. That's really, really good. Yeah. And ended ended the quarter almost 65, like historically good. So, um, you know, bottom line is the quarter turned out a little better than executives thought. And that's why we're getting higher estimates, very positive guidance. Uh, this economy just continues to get um, stronger and stronger, despite some pockets of COVID trouble still. Yeah, you mentioned the ISM manufacturing came in at 64.7, highest number since December of 83. Our friends at Goldman uh, did a study that when that comes in above 60, the S&P 500 on average, three and six months later, is actually negative. Also, when we took a look at it, um, that peaks about one year after the recession ends. So if you think we're pretty close, I think we probably are to some type of a peak in manufacturing, uh, that was about one year ago is obviously uh, when the, the depths of the recession, or one could argue the recession actually ended. Um, you know, I know Barry Gilbert uh, shot me a note before this saying, you know, I guess we're looking at likely uh, the NBER might actually come out fairly soon and say, you know, we're not in a recession anymore. We retroactively look at, you know, it ended 
whatever date it might be, maybe April or May. So we're in that sweet spot one year later uh, that makes sense the recession uh, could be over. Um, you know, Jeff, I mean, anything about the, the goal? I know our friends at Strategus did a similar study looking at percentiles when you're in a top percentile um, of, the, of the manufacturing data three and six months later, once again, fairly muted overall S&P 500 returns. Want to build on anything there? Yeah, I, I think um, we are getting close to peak optimism. Now, maybe mm -hmm. it's you know it's still a couple months away. Maybe it's next month. Who knows? But um, sure, that we've been saying for a while here that we need a pullback consolidation. Right, year two of a bull market, you tend to get ups and downs, at least one ten percent correction. So we still think we'll get that. It's just um, you know. The Fed is is still so accommodative, and there's just so much stimulus flowing through, with right. more likely on the way, in the fall, um, that it's you know these these pullbacks are probably going to be modest. So, you know, we'll still go higher. We think from here through the end of the year, but maybe not a lot higher. There's still certainly some risk out there, and you know, inflation and rising rates are still on people's radar. Yeah, I hate to be the guy who says it's different this time. You know, a lot of people have lost a lot of money saying that. But when you look at these previous major spikes and peaks in manufacturing data, the ISM, one of the big differences was the Fed started to change its tone, right, uh, historically. I mean, you, you watch 60 Minutes last night, right? The Fed isn't changing their tone. I mean, the Fed is keeping the pedal to the metal, keeping rates low, likely at least through the rest of this year. Um, and, and that is, again, a little different, I guess you could say, different. I just made that like three different words. Different is what I should have said there. Uh, a little different than previous times we've seen major peaks in PMI. So really interesting discussion. And like you said, Jeff, year two of a bull market. I know we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago on the podcast, but we just reached year two. Year two, historically, you see gains more often than not. In fact, every single time we looked at it, I think it was six. Don't quote me there. I think it was six bull markets since World War II. Um, you know that had a thirty, or at least uh, that had a thirty percent correction as well. And sure enough, you were higher um, one year later um, when you started year two. So the catch, though, double digit corrections, volatility are normal. You look at this bull market it, and almost overlay it with the bull market that started in 2009, 2010. That one peaked fairly fairly recently, right about now, and had a 16% correction into the summer months of um, 2010. So again, history doesn't repeat, but often rhymes, said Mark Twain. So just kind of be aware of some of those uh, concepts um, as we move forward. So Jeff, I want to talk about one thing for a second. I want to apologize to all of Gonzaga, because remember, the Ryan Jinx is real. It is something I think if there's if there's anything that you've taken away from our podcast, it's my jinx is powerful. So take that however you want. If you want to make some money, however you want to make it, just do the opposite of what I say. I said Gonzaga would win. I've been wrong repeatedly. And I might as well continue to do these. Um, you and I should do these calls and sports and things because I maybe people can make some money uh, fading me. But I said Gonzaga would win. I said, you know what? This would be the first year we'd have a undefeated team since 1976. Why not? They got to the championship game, and I apologize. The Ryan Jinx is real, but my oh my, um, what do you think of Baylor? I, I I was shocked. They they deserve it. <laughs> They're the best team. What do you think of that? Well, I I did fade you in my pool. I did I did not take Gonzaga, but I just picked the go. wrong other team. Right, I was on the right idea, bad execution because yeah. I I took Illinois, who seemed to be, you know maybe a top three choice for, for winning right. it all. And, Oh, that was a disaster. So, um, you know, yeah, Baylor, congrats to them. Uh, you know, by the way, congrats to, uh, 
Hideki Matsuyama for one of yes. the Masters yesterday. First time ever Japanese player has won a major, I believe. So um, enjoyed watching a little bit of golf uh, yesterday too. No, absolutely. That was neat. And obviously we've um, we've been a little more optimistic and bullish. You could say Japan from an investments point of view, uh, when you look at developed international and now they've got themselves a master's champion. So very, uh, very cool. Just to be able to watch some golf. I don't, for some reason I always like when the masters is on Easter, it just feels like that feels like a little more traditional. We've had a lot of masters on Easter's this year. We did not, but nonetheless, we had a master's to watch. And again, sorry, Mark few. I, I, I apologize. I won't pick you next year. How about that? I'll never pick a team to, Two years in a row because my curse is so strong i just would not do that to a fan base so jeff the final thing we want to talk about um we'll talk a little bit about seasonality but just the idea of again hey a consolidation a correction outright correction could be in the cards over the next quarter or two um as we reach some weak seasonals don't forget sell in may go away is right around the corner we'll talk about that more but it's kind of one of those it is what it is the worst six months of the year are from May until Halloween. The best six months of the year, we're going to exit here pretty soon. And how about April? Right, we talked a few weeks ago how April been higher 14 in the last 15 years, at least for the S&P 500. And just six trading days in, we'll see where we go from here, but just six trading days in, S&P up almost 4% for the month of April. But Jeff, on the YouTube channel, we're just sharing... Um, Kind of the idea of seasonality, how the fourth quarter historically is the best one. Second quarter, up about 2% on average for the S&P. Third quarter is usually the worst quarter. Um, so just kind of some things to think about there. But I want to build more on the idea of a strong first quarter uh, is usually pretty good, right? And we've shared a lot of these. This is called market signals for a reason. We're looking for signals in the market to give us a clue of a potential path where we're going to go. I love the Churchill quote, the further in the past I look, the further into the future I can see. And looking at the past, Jeff, and we have quarters in the first quarter when the S&P gains between 5 and 10%. The, that's kind of the sweet spot, we'll call it. If you're up over 10%, returns aren't as good. If you're under 5%, returns aren't as good. If you're negative in the first quarter, returns are actually quite weak. But if you're up between 5 and 10%, like we were in the first quarter this year, just a hair under 6% when all is said and done, the, the rest of the year is up over 12% on average, and only been, it's higher about 87% of the time, only been down for the year uh, twice. Um, you know, Jeff, what do you think about it? the seasonality is something we kind of pay attention to, but you know, there's other things we're seeing that suggest the strength of this market is historic and be a buyer of dips. This is just one. Do you want to kind of build on any others you've noticed recently? Yeah, well, you, you've talked, Ryan, about how um, if you sort of hold the lows at the yep. end of the year, it's a positive signal for the, the following year. So certainly that suggests... Um, it's going to be a good year between now and the end of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the presidential cycle generally still, you know, positive second year uh, of a cycle. I know a lot of people are worried about tax increases. Yeah. Probably, you know, based on history, um, we think that the market can withstand that uh, and, and still go higher. And then second year, we talked about it, second year bull markets, almost always higher, even if you go back before 1950, we typically do post-1950 for these studies but um you know the uh, it, it's actually not hard to make a case based on history that this will be you know a mid-teens type of return year for the s p 500 which implies you've got a decent uh, bit of upside uh, potentially from here we know there are risks right we know pandemic's not over um you know who knows where inflation and interest rates are going to be in a year but where we sit now we, we think still makes sense to overweight equities 
Oh, absolutely. You mentioned, you know, violating the um, December lows. I call this the December low indicator. As long as you do not, in the first quarter, do not violate the December lows, which we did not this year, by the way. Um, the rest, the full year is usually really strong. I've got the numbers here in front of me. If you, again, don't close beneath the December lows during the first quarter, the full year for the S&P is over 18% on average, up about 10% as we speak right now, uh, but up 18% on average. And the full year has been higher, 33 out of 35 times, it's about a 94% win rate. Um, the only two times it was negative, it was barely negative as well. Also getting a little geeky, so I wanna keep this high level, but over 95% of the stocks in the S&P 500 currently, at least as of Friday, um, were above their 200-day moving average, long-term uh, moving average. That's an incredible amount of breath. We've got Bloomberg data back to 1990. That's only happened only two times, all right? In late 2003, and then again in 2010. So you think back to those times, those were not times to be extremely bearish. Now you had some consolidation, don't get me wrong, in 2004 and 2010, there was some consolidation, but that much market breadth is extremely rare and usually a sign of continued strength and honestly, a sign that you should probably be a buyer of any dips and or weakness. Now, Jeff, um, we've got a couple more minutes here. This week, I think CPI is a big thing. Earnings season we already talked about, and then retail sales. You want to build on kind of some of those things you're watching this week and why it matters for investors? Sure. I guess CPI is um, certainly going to get a lot of attention because of all the concerns people have about inflation. But it's just too early to see big moves higher, um, I would say, in, in, in CPI. So June is probably going to be where you see a really big consumer inflation number. Now, we think still think that's going to be temporary uh, and not spook the Fed, but um, could see CPI readings of 3% or more in, in just a few months. Uh, retail sales is going to be a boomer because people are getting those stimulus checks. Um, the, a couple of months ago, retail sales was up about 7%. Consensus for this month is, is five. That may be a little bit low. Uh, you know, the stimulus, I mean, we saw it a couple months ago, right? The stimulus really finds its way uh, into, um, you know, e-commerce sites and um, retail stores. So expect a really, really strong retail sales number. And then um, we talked about earnings season. Uh, we think we're, we're poised for a really strong earnings season overall. And we think the banks get us off to a good start here. The environment for banks is, uh, is pretty good right now. And it's certainly a lot better than it was just a few months ago. Uh, absolutely. So, Jeff, a uh, great conversation there. Again, thank you to you and Barry for holding the fort down last week. Uh, we do a morning call every day with our more than 17,000 advisors. And, Jeff, I talked about this on the morning call. This is the type of hard-hitting research you're going to get. Today on Monday is National Grilled Cheese Day. So I think everybody out there loves grilled cheese. If you listen to this podcast on Monday or, heck, even listen to it on Tuesday you didn't know, let's make a grilled cheese and celebrate because it is a uh, – a very tasty, easy uh, meal to make. So with all that, Jeff, thanks for being here this week. Thanks everyone for continuing to listen to our podcast. Thank you to Neil for making this podcast as good as it can be and even better. We got some other ideas coming down the line. We're going to make it better. But um, with all that, everybody, we'll be back next week. And um, hey, spring is here. Warmer weather is on the way. Markets are at all-time highs. Economy looks pretty good. So let's, uh, let's enjoy it. A lot different than a year ago. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial. 
is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Elkdale Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.